This episode of Rudder Dead is sponsored by the Read Harder Journal. Created by Book Riot, this smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read and is a great gift for readers this holiday season. Evenly interspersed among the pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books. Get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant. Find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press and so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. It also includes a graph to track reading over the course of the year and a fill-in to-be-read pile. Get one for yourself or for the readers in your life at bookriot.com slash readharderjournal. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 65, and we are recording on Tuesday, November 19th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I'm doing okay. I am just, like, slightly uh, flustered at the fact that it is, like, November, like, Thanksgiving is next week. Like, I didn't make the connection until literally today. I was looking at my work calendar, and I was like, why does next week look so weird? And then I was like, oh, right, because we're not in the office for two of those days. (laughs) I just now realized Thanksgiving is next week. (laughs) Yeah, it it really, like, even though it's technically later, because it's, like, a fifth week or whatever, I think is what they're saying, or something, I don't know. It's, like, later in the month than it usually is, but it still feels like it snuck up on us. No, it totally did. And the other day, Blaine was talking about, he's like, wow, it's almost the holidays. And I went, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I don't enjoy the holidays, but I don't know what happened to October and November. They just kind of flew by. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, God, I have to buy Christmas stuff for people. And yeah, Thanksgiving, when you're like, yeah, it's next week. And when you were saying that, I'm like, no. And then I'm thinking about it going, oh, God, she's right. (laughs) It's next week. Well, it works out quite well that, um, I mean, and also we probably should have realized this already because we're doing our special holiday episode today. So (laughs) go us. (laughs) I mean, maybe we should have realized it on our end being like, hey, we're preparing for a holiday episode. The holidays are coming. Now, holidays are just kind of a mythic, generic, abstract concept at this point. I'm like, yeah, at some point I'll have to start, you know buying people gifts and you know we're already planning for our holiday holiday displays at work i put up our homicide for the holidays display um which has so far checked out extremely well i put it up yesterday we've had like four or five books check out already i was like oh your people are so lovely (laughs) um and i have i just have to say really quick that my coworker who helped me put up the display she we decorated we decorated it with snowflakes and she put like dripping blood on the snowflakes. Oh my gosh. I love the fact that you put together a homicide for the holidays display for at your library. That's amazing. <laughs> we we had been doing it for a couple of years at my last library, thanks to my mother-in-law mentioning it a few years ago. She brings out her cozy holiday mysteries around this time every year. She calls it her homicide for the holidays uh, collection. And I'm like, that's brilliant. And so I started doing a display at my last library. And then 
on Sunday, Blaine said, oh, you'll have to mention to your new co-workers about Homicide for the Holidays. And I said, yes, I will. And it turned out that we actually had to put up a display that day and didn't know what to do. So I said, Homicide for the Holidays. So now we have all of these, we have all of these mystery titles that is just, it started off as cold weather mysteries and holiday mysteries. And now it's just basically whatever mystery I can find to put up there because people are checking it out faster than I can create a list. And my colleague did bleeding snowflakes. And so she's got white snowflakes, snowflakes that are dripping blood, and then the bottom are red snowflakes. I'm printed on red paper. Amazing. I love it. It's beautiful. Oh, all right. Well, with on that festive note, <laughs> let's jump into the episode. Do you have our first sponsor? I do. And our first sponsor is Eye for Eye by J.K. Franco. As a successful reporter, Susie Cruz was used to reporting the news and not becoming it. But when a careless driver mows down her little girl, that is exactly what happens. Grief-stricken, Susie and her husband Roy turn to the law for justice. But when the system fails them, grief soon turns to hate. Three years later, a chance encounter at a mountain vacation offers a tantalizing prospect of retribution. But at what cost? Before long, the cruises find themselves embroiled in an intricate scheme of murder, revenge, and deception. Now the police are asking questions just as a shocking truth reveals that the perfect plan may not have been so perfect after all. So this is a uh, new book. It's a controversial, heart-pounding, edge-of-your-seat legal thriller uh, that is written by someone who used to be a lawyer. So J.K. Franco used to be a lawyer for many years before he started writing books. And a lot of people have really been enjoying this book because of the procedural and legal realisms depicted in the book. Um, and this book was originally published over in the UK. And after it was published, uh, a lot of people were talking about this book because of the morality of some of the events in the book, um, and whether the actions of the two main characters are really justified. Um, and so reading this book, you might think to yourself, what would you do if someone hurt the one that you love? Um, so if you are a fan of legal thrillers, this definitely sounds like one that you should pick up. And again, that's called Eye for Eye by J.K. Franco. And we thank them so much for sponsoring this episode. All right. So happy holidays to all of our listeners, regardless of what, what holiday you may or may not celebrate. We hope you are enjoying this cold, miserable season. Um, if you are a new listener, welcome. We're delighted to have you. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We are delighted that we haven't scared you off. Um, so we talk about mysteries and suspense and true crime and movie adaptations and anything that relates to uh, the worlds of mystery and suspense. Anything under that umbrella is fair game. And we always put out a call at the beginning of each episode for our lovely listeners to contact us if you have any ideas for future episodes. We have gotten some fabulous emails from people over the months, the last couple of years that we've been doing this. And we've used a lot of the ideas to help structure future episodes. So it's helpful for us. It's fun for us to see what um, what topics you might be interested in hearing about. And it just, I don't know, we, we really like how, um, uh, involving our, our listeners in, in the whole creation of this, this fabulous journey. Um, and for our holiday episode, we do have a couple of requests from, from our listeners that we will be answering a little bit later in the show. We will have our contact information at the end of the show, and we'll have all that information in the show notes. So if you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, love what you're doing, or hi, how are you? Or hey, I read this great book, you feel free to do that as well. 
We we love chatting with people. And with that, I guess I'll um go ahead and jump into our news segment. Um couple of quick adaptation notes. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller is starring in the movie adaptation of Sometimes I Lie um, by Alice Feeney, which came out, uh, I think, last year. And um, it's a psychological suspense novel with the where the main character you can't quite trust everything that she says, as you may have guessed by the title. Um, but yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar is, I believe, producing and starring in the movie. So once we have more news about that, we will for sure let you know. And then in terms of other adaptation news, Lady Gaga is starring in a movie directed by Ridley Scott um, about the Gucci family fashion dynasty and the murder of the of Gucci Gucci's grandson. Um, and this is based on a book by Sarah Gay Forden called The House of Gucci, A Sensational Story of Murder, Madness, Glamour, and Greed. And Lady Gaga is portraying Patrizia Reggiani, who is the ex-wife of Maurizio Gucci. Um, and so it sounds like she'll have a fairly large role in this film. Um, I did not know, I, well, I didn't know much about this until this came up on my newsfeed, but I definitely did not know it was based on a book, which actually sounds absolutely fascinating. Um, so if you, if this at all sounds like it's ringing any of your bells, make sure to pick up the book before the movie comes out. Um, but we'll have, we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And then I think um, last episode of the episode before we talked about a lot of the smaller mystery awards that were that se- that were released within you know a very short time frame, but apparently there was some controversy going on at the Seamus Awards, which is awarded to uh, authors who write uh, PI novels, and. The it was I just saw this coming up on my Twitter feed. A lot of uh, mystery authors were saying, "Hey, I don't, I'm not cool with what happened there." Um, so I had to do a little bit of digging, but I found a link um, where someone uh, described what happened. Um, in short, one of the presenters, um, Max Allen Collins, was he said something that many of the people present considered to be rather derogatory, xenophobic. Um, and the he described it on a Facebook post, which is linked in this um, article that we'll that we'll have in the show notes. But it shows his reaction um, and the the article writer's reaction to what happened and how we all have a responsibility to you know consider the words that we use and think about how they may feel to other people. Um, and then there was a statement put out by the Crime Writers of Color organization that they put out on Twitter that we will link to um, as well so you can see their their response to that. But in case you'd been hearing about that but weren't sure what exactly had been going on, we've got, I have a link that kind of explains a little bit of what was happening there. Yeah, that one's kind of an interesting, for lack of a better word, uh, situation, if only because I think it highlights some of the areas that people might see as being kind of gray, but aren't actually gray. Um, one of the parts of the uh, Facebook comment that the uh, presenter made um, says that it was meant to be a joke and meant to be satirical, like he was supposed to be making fun of people who would actually say stuff like that. Um, and I think 
stuff like that is always very uh, iffy. Like you kind of need to read the room a little bit better and know your audience a little bit better. And if the audience doesn't have a relationship with you, it's hard to tell whether or not that stuff like that is a joke or not, unless it's like so extreme that it's very clearly that. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think it's worth like sort of reading about and looking into and seeing sort of the ways that, oh, even like trying to make fun of other people who would say stuff like that won't necessarily come across in the best way, depending on who you are and how you're delivering it and stuff like that. All right. Um, and then for our next news item, uh, I just want to really quickly mention that the Goodreads Choice Awards have been going on for like the over the course of like the month of November, I believe. Um, and they're now in the final round of voting. And usually this is a thing we kind of mention in passing. And I kind of wanted to mention it again this year, but only because I'm actually very surprised by the books that made it to the final round. Um, I think it's partially because there have been a lot of really good uh, mystery books this year, but like Books like Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, uh, My Sister the Serial Killer, uh, The Whisper Man by Alex North, uh, Jane Harper's The Lost Man. Um, these are all books that are in the final round. I think this year there are more books in the final round than usual. Um, I think uh, in the ra- the voting, there were like more ab- options to like write in votes and nominees and things like that. And so I think that's led to more uh, books being in the final rounds than usually are. And they've also extended the voting period. So I've noticed in the past, like the voting period is usually like a week. And this time, I think it's almost two weeks, maybe because it's going over the holidays. I don't know. Um, but basically, you have until December second, I believe, to vote um, in any of the categories that you like. But I definitely wanted to highlight the fact that the mystery thriller category is actually pretty decent. So like, these are all books that I either have read or have had an interest in reading for the most part. Um, and I think that it covers a pretty wide variety of types of mysteries as well. So yeah, I definitely think it's worth checking out if you're on Goodreads um, and maybe throwing a vote towards your favorite for the year. Okay, so before we jump into our recommendations for the gift giving season, I do have our second sponsor, which is Black Rock Bay by Brianna Labuskis. And this book follows Detective Mia Hart, who returns to her haunted past with deadly consequences in this psychological suspense novel. Uh, Mia lost two of her closest friends to suicide 15 years ago, and she fled St. Lucie's, which is a small island off the coast of Maine. But she's called back home to investigate a journalist's death. Um, when she comes home, she finds a clue that leads her to believe that her friends didn't actually take their own lives. But as she tries to untangle a web of lies, Mia realizes that solving her latest case could mean becoming the pawn in someone's blood-chilling game of truth or die. Uh, Brianna Lab- Labuskis is the best-selling author of Girls of Glass, Um it sounds like that this book has a really strong sense of place. It takes uh, place off of the coast of Maine in the middle of winter uh, with a storm threatening the entire time, which actually sounds kind of like the weather we've been having in Chicago the last few weeks. Um, but it, it sounds like it's a very, uh, it's a very uh, book with a strong sense of place, very dramatic, lots of psychological suspense and um, lots of that tension building that that so many so many of us enjoy. Um, so again, the name of the book is Black Rock Bay by Brianna Labuskis, and we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. 
All right. So like we mentioned at the top of the episode, this is our special holiday episode. And so we put out a request um, in the last episode where we just asked if anyone had any requests or needs for a gift giving or just wanted some book suggestions for themselves. So we got a couple of those. And then we thought we would also just talk about some other books that came out, not necessarily this year, but books that we just really enjoy and recommend a lot and think would work really well for a wide variety of readers. Um, so if you are someone who maybe wants to buy a book for someone else in your life, but you're not necessarily sure what to get them. Um, I think that the last segment would really appeal to you because we'll talk about a bunch of different types of books. And I think that they could appeal to a lot of different types of readers. Yeah. And so yeah, we'll I'll, we'll go ahead and start off with the specific uh, requests that we got. Um, the first one was for uh, mysteries featuring bisexual or pansexual characters. Let me tell you, this was a difficult one to research, and it's kind of highlighting the fact that we we need better resources for identifying some of these books. Um, I, first off, I would like to mention that it's really hard. It was it was really hard to find bisexual representation. I really could not find anything in terms of identifying a book with. Um, pansexual characters. So if any of our listeners happen to know of any mystery or suspense titles that feature pansexual characters, please let us know. This would be very helpful to to, to be aware of. Um, so both of us picked books with uh, where the main character is bisexual. Um, and we also, the request was also that there, the person's sexuality was kind of incidental to the actual story. Like it doesn't play a huge, a huge role. It just is like, yeah, this is, you know, the character's bisexual and that's, that's all there is to it. Um, so the book that I picked was The Last Place You Look by Kristen Lepianka, um, which is probably, she was honestly the first, um, the first person I thought of because she is the only author that I know of who has that who has specifically written um, a few books featuring a um, bisexual main character. So, um, so the last place you look is the first book in the Roxanne Weary series, and Roxanne is the main character. She's she's a private investigator, and she is drawn to the story of the of a girl. Um, who disappeared 15 years ago, the same night that her parents were murdered in Ohio. Um, her boyfriend was convicted for the murders, um, due not in, you know, in no small part to the fact that her boyfriend was black. Um, this, this girl and her family were white. And his sister, um, the boyfriend's sister, he's been sitting in jail. He is waiting to be executed. And his sister says that she swears she has seen the girl that he, that everyone thought that he murdered, his girlfriend, Sarah. She, his sister swears that she's seen Sarah around locally. So she hires Roxanne Weary, private investigator, to look again, saying, hey, I think there might be some more information here. So Roxanne finds her, she is particularly drawn to this case. Um, and she thinks that there may be something with going on with Sarah's disappearance that may have been linked to one of the unsolved murder cases that her father was working on, who is a police officer and who and who has recently passed away. Um, and so Roxanne 
Roxanne starts to hope that, you know, hey, you know, maybe I can, you know, bring some closure to what my father was working on, and maybe I can save this man from being executed. Um, and so, and then the mystery progresses from there. So um, I have not read this book yet, but I believe, but uh, Rinsey, have you read this one? Yeah, I have. Okay, I, f- I thought you, I remembered you talking about it. Um, but I, from... The book sounds like the main character is very, um, she's very complex and very complicated. Um, and so she's got a lot of stuff going on in her personal life as well as in her professional life as she's investigating these cases. So it sounds like if you're looking for a book with where the character is, is complex, has lots of layers to them and how these, all of these elements kind of play into the story. Um, this might be a really, it might be a really good one to check out. So um, again, that is The Last Place You Look by Kristen Lepianca. And I believe that there's like also a sequel to that book already. So if you enjoyed that one, there's another one that you can pick up. There, I think there are two other books in the series. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I purchased the third one recently for the library. So if you, if you like that one or whoever you give it to likes that one, you got two more others that you can keep reading. <laughs> All right, the book that I picked up is one that's very much under the radar because it has less than 500 reviews or ratings on Goodreads, um, and that is Penance by Claire Ashton. I believe that this was originally published in the UK, um, and this is kind of like a suspenseful mystery. So if you like sort of like slow burn sort of books, then this was the one to pick up. Um, so you're following this character named Lucy, who um, her boyfriend, I believe. Yes, her boyfriend uh, died in a car accident. So they were both in the car accident and only her boyfriend passed away. And she has like a significant amount of guilt um, about everything that happened around it. She feels like she didn't do enough to try to save him, things like that. Um, she lives in, I believe, Cornwall or a small village outside of Cornwall. And she's been sort of like the local gossip for quite some time. And she's like dealing with a lot of the trauma from the accident, as well as like the guilt and things like that. And then suddenly things seem like they're looking up uh, because this woman named Karen enters her life. She moves into town and they form a relationship and things kind of get also start to get a little bit weird from there. Um So yeah, this is one of those books where the less you know about the story, story, the better. But this is good, again, if you want something that's kind of like unsettling in nature. It's very much a slow burn book. And it's one of those stories where, yeah, the you just sort of like are waiting at the edge of your seat to see what happens because you don't really know where the story is going to go or what exactly is going on. So um, if you want something sort of uh, quiet and but just but still like keeps you like on edge, then I highly recommend picking up Penance by Claire Ashton. Okay. And then the uh, second specific request that we got, which uh, was actually from the same person, um, was also asking for suggestions for cozy mysteries set during either uh, World War One or World War Two, And thankfully, there are quite a few of those. We had a little bit of an easier time with this one. Um, oh, and bonus points if there's any kind of romantic elements in there. Um, she was requesting this for a family member who really likes World War II era romances. And so she wants to try and give her a mystery to kind of change up her, her reading uh, selections a little bit. So the book that I picked 
is Mr. Churchill's Secretary by Susan Elia McNeil, which is the first in the Maggie Hope series. And I think there's like eight or nine books at least in this series. So if she likes this one, she'll, she's got plenty of other reading, reading uh, suggestions. So this takes place in London, as you could probably guess from the title, 1940s. Um, we're in the, we're in the middle of World War II. Uh, Winston Churchill has just been sworn in. Um, Maggie Hope has graduated at the top of her college class. She has a lot of interest and skills in terms of code breaking and espionage. And she really wants to be involved in British intelligence. But because she's a woman, she is hired to be the typist or to be another typist at uh, 10 Downing Street. So she's kind of forced into this role that she's not really, that she's she's not keen on. But her, um, her position actually gives her a lot of access that a lot of, that a lot of the men in the government don't have. So she has, she hears, uh, hears about things. She, you know, she's privy to a lot of conversations that she may not otherwise have been a part of. Um, and she is trying to find different opportunities to let, or to take advantage of her interest in code breaking and, um, and try to use, use those skills for the betterment of her country. Um, and, in the course of her kind of, of her investigations, um, she also finds that she also um, uncovers some information that might point to some questions and some secrets about her own family. So she's really in it now, and now she really wants to find out what is um, what's going on here and how she can, and how she can put her skills to use while being a woman that is seen as only as being only good good enough to be a typist. Um, so this book was uh, the author's debut. Um, like I said, it's the first in the series, and a lot of people have really commented that. The author put a lot of um, effort into the research of this book, so it's full of lots of period details, if that's something that that is of importance to you, especially in your historical fiction, um, plus a strong, complex female character. Um, so this this series, I know um, a former co-worker of mine really enjoyed this this series. Um, she did, she read mostly kids and YA books, but when she did read adult fiction, this was this was one of her favorite series. So again, the first book is Mr. Churchill's Secretary by Susan Elia McNeil. Okay, so my recommendation is one that might align slightly more with what it sounds like this person that this reader is uh, or listener is buying a book for might like, um, but has like mystery elements to it. So it's kind of a nice crossover. It's called The Tuscan Child by Reese Bowen. And this one is like, a combination of like a standard historical fiction with a mystery element to it. Uh, so there's two timelines happening here. Uh, there's the 1944 timeline where you are following this British bomber pilot named Hugo Langley, who ends up getting uh, shot down over uh, German occupied Tuscany. And so it's partially about his um, life there and how he ends up basically finding refuge in this like former monastery and falls in love with this woman named Sophia Bartoli. And then, you know, stuff happens because it's, you know, World War II. And then 
30 years later, you are following Hugo's daughter, Joanna, who has uh, returned home to the English countryside to uh, deal with her father's estate after he has passed away. And among his personal effects is this unopened letter addressed to Sophia that has a significant amount of information that Joanna had no idea about. And she didn't really know anything about her father's life while in Tuscany. Um, and so she decides that she's going to travel to Tuscany to try to find out what really happened to him and try to find out some truths about uh, his life. And while doing that, she sort of starts to bother, I suppose, the other people in this town, um, bringing up stuff that they don't really want to talk about anymore. Um, so yeah, this is one that has like a bit of a romantic element to it. Um, so it'll appeal to uh, the person that you're buying this book for. And but it also has like, a good historical fiction element to it, as well as a slight mystery uh, with this family and the Joanna trying to figure out what exactly was going on with her father. Um, so again, this one is called The Tuscan Child by Reese Bowen. Okay, so um, in terms of book suggestions that would reach just kind of a broad, general audience, um, the book that I have picked, and I we have talked, we have both talked about this book multiple times on the show, but we haven't talked about it in a little while, so I'm going to bring it up again. Um, that is the Feather Thief by Kirk Wallace Johnson, and this is nonfiction. It's true crime, um, but it's part of the wave of true crime of like nonviolent true crime. So if you have someone that goes, oh, I don't, I don't want to read about death and murder. There's no death and there's no murder in this true crime book. Um. But this book, for lack of a better word, is Banana Pants Bonkers. And the crime that takes place in 2009, there was a 20-year-old American flautist named Edwin who was uh, performing at the London's Royal Academy of Music. And he breaks into one of the branches of the British Museum of Natural History, um, the Tring Museum, which is home to one of the largest collections of rare bird specimens in the world. And these birds are worth quite a lot of money, not because they're old and historical, but because their feathers are used in uh, f in making uh, salmon fly ties while you're fishing. And there's like, a, in the Victorian era, there was an art to making these fly, the, these flies. And this coincided with the kind of the discovery of the natural world in these areas of, of the world that people had never explored before. This was right around the time when um, Darwin and Alfred Russell Wallace were, ex were exploring and creating their theories about evolution and all this stuff. And they're discovering all of these species of tropical birds and all of these other animals. And it really became a Victorian obsession to kind of decorate themselves with these, with these animals. And they, the, the feathers for these birds, like I said, were used in the uh, flies that people would make for catching salmon. And this art and this obsession has persisted through the through the decades and there is a modern group of people that get together and they you know they are very very good at making these victorian salmon flies and so this this kid breaks into the museum steals the birds to sell their feathers to fund his obsession with the victorian art of salmon fly tying now that is just a sentence that if you know the the um 
it's just so bonkers. You can't believe that this actually happened, but it did. And so part of the book is focused on the kind of the history element, you know, the culture of the Victorian times, the scientific discoveries that were happening. It focuses on the actual crime and the person who committed it. But it also talks about how the author himself kind of became obsessed with finding out with what happened to all of these um, these bird specimens. Did he? Did this guy sell all of them? You know, what happened to some of these? And he tries to find out, you know, he tries to find out, you know, where they ended up. Did he sell them to collectors? And he and he tries to tries to get back as many of the of these these bird skins as he can. And it's just such an unusual, just combination of things that you never thought would like you would read about in a book together, let alone talk about in an actual sentence. And it's so interesting. Even if you think you have no interest in this in the specific elements of this book, you will 100% be interested in this book as a whole. It is such a fast read. Every like every page I kept looking up and telling my husband, I'm like, I'm sorry, I just have to read you the sentence out loud. I cannot believe this combination of words exists in the English language. And it's it's so interesting and so bonkers. It's a perfect book to talk about going, I can't believe this happened. And a uh, great book to discuss with people. It's not violent. It's not gory. It will appeal to so many different people. It's so fascinating. Um, but again, that is The Feather Thief by Kirk Wallace Johnson. Okay. Um, the book that, oh man, I have such a hard time figuring out what book I wanted to give as like a general recommendation. So I'm going to do two really fast. The first one is Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. And I'm not going to really talk about this one because I feel like we talked about this one a lot over the course of this past year since it came out. Uh, but this is one that is like perfect if you enjoy domestic mysteries. But I feel like everyone I know who has read this book has enjoyed it too like at least some extent. Um, so I feel like that's a good Swiss army recommendation almost. Uh, if you're someone who enjoys Celeste Ng or Leanne Moriarty and you haven't picked up this book yet, it, or you know someone who loves those authors, this one would be a really great gift. Um, the other one I want to actually talk about a little bit more in depth is The Plotters by Unsoon Kim. I talked about this one a little bit earlier this year because I had read it when it came out earlier this year. And this is a book that I think would really appeal to people who enjoy their mysteries and thrillers to be like full plot heavy, like stories as opposed to like character driven stories. And I also think that this would really appeal to people who are like Quentin Tarantino fans, uh, because the way that this book is written, and it's translated from Korean. Um, so the way that it's written in English, at least it feels a bit like you are reading a Quentin Tarantino movie or a book that should be made into a Quentin Tarantino movie. You are following this character uh, named Reesing who uh, has basically been adopted by this group called the Plotters who are basically a group of assassins. Um, and so there's two like people within this category. There are the Plotters, the people who make the plans behind the assassinations and the people who actually do the assassinations. And so Reesing has always been uh, the person who has done the killing. Um, and then one day he decides to break the rules and not follow the plan exactly. And then things sort of fall apart slash pick up from there. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just a really great 
book for people who enjoy things that are really dark. Um, there's a lot of dark humor in here. But again, if you want something that just feels like it should be made into a TV show or movie, this would be a great one to either pick up for yourself or give to someone who enjoys stuff like that. All right. So those are our holiday recommendations. But if you have any other suggestions for books that you have given to people that have that have turned out well or other suggestions for for books that would that would appeal to a wide number of readers let us know um like i said we'll have our contact information at the end of the show you can send us an email hit us up on twitter um share go out and share that knowledge with with your friends and your colleagues and your acquaintances, because a holiday filled with books is a jolly holiday indeed. And uh, I guess with that, I'll turn it over to you, Rincy, for our, our new releases. Yeah, so I just have a couple of new releases. Obviously, publishing slows down for the holiday season. So just a couple that I wanted to quickly mention. Uh, the first one is called Impossible Causes by Julie Mayhew. And this one is already out. Uh, so for seven months of the year, the remote island of Lark is fogbound and cut off completely from the mainland. Three strangers arrive before the mists fall. Ben Haley, a charismatic teacher looking to make his mark. Teenager Viola Kendrick and her mother, both seeking a place to hide from an unspeakable tragedy. Tragedy. As the winter fog sets in, the presence of the newcomers loom large in this tight-knit community. They watch as their women fall under the teacher's spell, and they watch as their daughters draw the mysterious viola into their circle. The girls begin to meet few, uh, secretly at night, dancing further and further away from the religious traditions that have held Lark together for generations. But when a body is found one morning at the girls' meeting place, high up. Uh, among the sacred stones of Lark, faith turns instantly to suspicion and fear, for the island is weighted with its own dark secrets, and now it's time for them to come into the light. Um, so this is for readers of All the Missing Girls and You Will Know Me. Um, it's being described as a gripping and claustrophobic thriller about isolation, power, and the lies that fester when witnesses stay silent. Um, and again, that one is called Impossible Causes by Julie Mayhew. Then I have, uh, I, I'm going to assume that you're supposed to say the letters of this title individually and you're not supposed to just like make a sound with it. And it's NVK by Temple Drake. Uh, so one night in 2012, executive Zhang Guo Zhi takes a group of European clients to a fashionable nightclub in Shanghai. While there, he meets a strikingly beautiful uh, young Western woman named Naim. Naomi Viano Kusela and the physical attraction between them proves to be irresistible and they embark on an intoxicating affair. But Naomi is not what she appears to be. To Zang's surprise, she veers between passion and wariness, conducting the relationship entirely on her own terms. He feels dri driven to find out more about her and is swiftly drawn into a web of intrigue, mystery, and horror. Is she a ghost? a demon, and do the living walk amongst the streets of 21st century Shanghai. Um, so this is a book that uh, takes place in modern Shanghai, but obviously blends a lot of fantastical elements in it. Um, it's like part gothic, part supernatural, um, and has like all of these really intense sort of plot points to it as well. Um, so it's and it's being described as a book that explores the roots of desire and the cruel costs of immortality. Um, so again, that one's called NVK by Temple Drake. And then the final one I wanted to mention is called Nine Elms by 
Robert Brinza. Um, and so this is another fiction book uh, following a female detective's fight for redemption. So Kate Marshall was a promising young police detective when she caught the notorious Nine Elms serial killer. But her greatest victory suddenly turns into a nightmare. Traumatized, betrayed, and publicly vilified for the shocking circumstances surrounding the cannibal murder case, Kate could only watch as her career ended in scandal. Fifteen years after those events, Kate is still haunted by the unquiet ghosts of her troubled past. Now a lecturer at a small coastal English university, she finally has a chance to face them. A copycat killer has taken up the Nine Elms mantle, continuing the ghastly work of his idol. Enlisting her brilliant research assistant, Kate draws on her prodigious and long-neglected skills as an investigator to catch a new monster. Success promised redemption, but there's much more on the line. Kate was the original killer's intended fifth victim, and his successor means to finish the job. Um, so if you enjoy detective novels, if you enjoy things that are really dark, if you enjoy stories featuring serial killers, this all of that sounds like this would be up your alley. Um, and again, that's called Nine Elms by Robert Brinza. Real quickly, I just have to tell a story because we get... <laughs> We get advanced copies of books at the library, and um, I was looking through them with one of my colleagues, and I, I pulled out a couple that I was interested in, and she she flipped it over, and she was like, she's like, someone gets decapitated. Katie, this sounds like your book. And I'm like, oh boy, I am nothing if not on brand. <laughs> so she's like, hmm, murder, blood, gore, here you go, Katie. And I'm like, oh, you know me so well. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I'll jump in really quickly to what I have uh, finished and what I am starting, because surprisingly, um, it's actually been a productive couple of weeks. I'm shocked. Um, real quickly, I did finish The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule on audio. And in the last episode, I was talking about how it's interesting reading it a few years later and being so frustrated with the author that, you know, that despite overwhelming evidence that Ted Bundy uh, it was the person who the courts made him out to be. He killed dozens, if not hundreds of women. Um, and I remember being or talking about being very frustrated that the author was still like, well, I don't know, he hasn't been convicted yet. Um, as I listened to more of the audiobook, as time goes goes on, and as she kind of distances herself from the trials and from Ted Bundy, she she does realize, like, he was using me. He was lying to me, manipulating me. What he was doing was a terrible person, or were horrible things. And she said, you know, I thought I knew a good person. Turns out I didn't. And there's still a lot of complexity there. Um, but ultimately, she does kind of realize that, holy cow, this is not the person who I thought I thought he was, which I couldn't remember how it turned out since it had been a long time since I had read the book. But thankfully, I did not finish the audiobook being very angry like I was about halfway through it. Um, so again, The Stranger Beside Me and Rule, it's a true crime classic. I do highly recommend reading it if um, if true crime is your jam. This one, this one is is a benchmark title for a good reason. Um, and then I also finished uh, the book Allegedly by Tiffany D. Jackson, which is a YA novel. It's not, it's, it's not an outright mystery, um, but it's, it's more psychological suspense. Um, the main character, Mary Addison, um, has been in jail and now she's in a group home for allegedly killing a baby when she was nine years old while she was babysitting um, this 
this child with her mother. And there was this big media storm. This is not, this is fiction, by the way. <laughs> I realized when I was like, oh, this should probably indicate this did not actually happen. Um, but uh, Mary and her mother are black. The baby was white. Baby was three months old. And Mary was sent to, was sent to jail. And like I said, now she is in a, um, now she's in a group home, kind of a rehabilitation home um, with a bunch of other, with a bunch of other girls um, and teenagers. Um, and Mary has not talked about what ha- what actually happened that day, but as the book progresses, you find out a little bit more about what happened. Um, you find out early on that she does not trust her mother, and you figure out there are pretty good reasons for that. Um, Mary is also pregnant with a baby of her own um, from her boyfriend who she met during a volunteering uh, stint, and so there's that. Um, that complexity added onto it. It's very gritty. It's very realistic um, about the hardships uh, that young people face in the justice system. Um, but there's also the psychological suspense element to it. Um, it's a fast read, and I I got I tore through it pretty quickly. This book, holy cow! By the end, well, let me, I'll just leave it there. But by the end. If there, I was kind of like, really? Let me flip back a little bit. Really? This one's got an ending that you're going to go, oh. Um, so I was very, I was very surprised by that. That was one I was not expecting. Um, I was expecting something a little bit more straightforward, and it was not. Um, but I very much enjoyed it. Um, again, that is allegedly by Tiffany D. Jackson. And then real quickly, I have started uh, Before the Devil Fell by Neil Olson, um, which is a suspense kind of horror blend um, that has to do with dark witchcraft secrets in a New England town, which for me is all you need to mention. I'm like, yep, sold. Um, And then I started listening to The Gone Dead by Chanel Benz, which I believe, Rinsey, you read semi-recently, right? Uh, Yes, I did. I really enjoyed it. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, the Gone Dead, um, where the main character, uh, moves back to her childhood home in Mississippi and uncovers secrets about her deceased father's life and death. Um, and she finds out pretty early on in the book that she herself went missing on the day that her dad died and she does not remember that. So the, the plot unfurls from there. Um, but again, the Gone Dead by Chanel Benz. All right. So the book that I finished since the last time we recorded was Beijing Payback by Daniel Nee. Um, this is a book that I have mixed feelings about, partially because like the way that he writes women is not great. Uh, mostly because there's only like a few women who appear in the story and none of it fails the Bechdel cut test. Like none of them talk to each other. Uh, they all just talk to the main character about the main character and things like that. Um, not all of them are love interests, which is a great thing. One of, but it, I, think the only other one that's not a love interest is his sister. Um, So there's that. But I do think that some of the ideas that are uh, explored in here are really interesting because you are following this character named Victor who's in college and his father dies uh, or is actually murdered. And they think like someone broke into the house and was robbing the home um, and killed him while he was in the home. And while like dealing with the grief of his father's death and things like that um, amongst 
like while going through his things and stuff like that, he finds out that there was significantly more going on in his father's life than he realized. Um, him and his sister thought that his father just owned a bunch of restaurants, but it turns out that he was actually part of this larger potentially crime syndicate um, starting from when his father lived in China and then eventually like immigrated over to the United States. So Victor decides to travel to Beijing himself to figure out what exactly is going on and who killed his father. Um, so yes, it's one of those books where there's a lot of action again. So if you are someone who enjoys action-packed books, this is a good one to pick up. But I, I was mainly reading it and enjoying it because of the way that it talks about grief and the sort of complicated things that come with that and the complicated feelings that go along with that and how like other people don't really know what to do when you are grieving someone else and just how different people react to uh, losing a loved one in very different ways. Um, so if you're someone who enjoys those types of explorations, I think that this is actually a pretty decent one to pick up and like kind of surprising in that way. Uh, but I did want to just quickly mention that the female characters in here are not great. Um, I mean, the characters themselves are fine, but the way that they're, you know, written and stuff is not great. Um, and then as for what I am going to be reading, I just started reading The Lost Man by Jane Harper. Um, I've been having a lot of fun just sort of really quickly marathoning through all of Jane Harper's books this year. And I'm kind of sad that there's only one left. Um, I was thinking about like keeping this one until the new year, but no, I'm just going to nah. read it. Yeah. <laughs> Why do that? Um, so yes, that is what I'm currently reading. All right. And that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Uh, for show notes, you can head to bookriot.com slash listen. We'll have links to the articles that we talked about at the top of the show, as well as links to all of the books that we mentioned here. So if you want to pick up any of these books for yourself or for someone that you know, as a present for the holidays, you can definitely check them all out in our show notes. If you enjoy the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can find us and join us here. Um, if you want to send us an email with any feedback or show suggestions, you can do that at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincey A. And I am on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.